Welcome to the Work Life Brilliance Podcast with executive coach and best-selling author, Denise Renee Green. Denise fills each episode with humor, compassion, knowledge, and pragmatism to help you transform your life. Listen in and learn how you can tame your brain, lower your stress, and become the person you were born to be. Hey, my friend, and welcome to the podcast. I think this is a pretty special one because I have been thinking about this topic for a long time. Well, I think about this topic a lot, constantly, but I haven't um, sat down to talk about it with you in a very long time. And so first I have some questions for you. This is not a test. I just want you to reflect. What do you think is the emotional tone of the world right now? For me, I think it's fear and anger, and anxiety. Now let's think about your workplace. What's the emotional tone at work? What I hear is fear, resentment, worry, and shame. Shame is that feeling of not being good enough. Throw in not being seen, not being heard, Um, So maybe loneliness. Now, what about yourself? What is the emotional tone in your body and your mind? If it's more of the same, anxiety, worry, shame, unfortunately, you're in really good company. And there is a reason for this. I don't want you to beat yourself up. And hey, If happiness and love and gratitude are there too, awesome, awesome. But that's not what I'm hearing from people very often. And the reason is that our brains are wired for fear and negativity. You know, I've said this many times, so I'm going to repeat myself, but our brains are just trying to keep us alive. Our brains are not who we are. Our thoughts are not who we are. There is a consciousness deep down in there being protected by these overprotective brains who are wired for negativity. Five times as many neural processes for negative thinking as positive thinking. So this was meant to be intermittent. This fear, this worry was meant to be intermittent and only meant to arise when we were in danger. But of course, that's not how it works out, right? The more we pay attention to potential dangers, the more we create fear because what we pay attention to grows. So it's just about neural pathways. We lay down neural pathways every time we think a thought and believe a feeling. And because we're thinking so many negative thoughts, we have more neural pathways for the bad stuff than the good stuff. So instead of being intermittent, this is our mood. The worry, the anxiety, the negativity, the fear has become a mood. So I want to shift and To do that, I want to tell a little story. So recently, a mentor of mine lost his father. It was a really tragic thing where his father, just this beautiful, spiritual, God-loving man, inspirational man, very healthy, non-smoker, came down with stage four cancer, was diagnosed with stage four cancer. They gave him a year to live. He lasted three weeks. Now, he went beautifully. He went peacefully. He went surrounded by love and his family but my mentor was understandably crushed. And he started researching stories from people who had died and come back. 
And every story he found showed that they all felt one thing on the other side. And that one thing they felt was this all-consuming, omnipresent feeling of love. Love was it. So I don't know what your belief system is, but the research shows that on the other side, the universe is love. God is love. And so why is it so hard and awkward to bring love into our day-to-day lives? And I guess when I say awkward, I mean, why is it so awkward to talk about love in the workplace? And recently in one of my alumni calls, my graduates from my program, we brought this topic up. And in fact, one of my clients brought it up, Amy. And she, she mentioned that she'd recently read Adam Grant, the author and researchers, say that compassion is better than empathy. And I said to her, well, I think compassion is a politically correct term for love, which is fine. And then I decided I was going to get curious about these words. So I looked them up. And depending on where you look, I just look at Webster's Dictionary. Um, Empathy is the ability to understand and share the feelings of another. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to love that person or even be nice to that person. You could still understand them and be indifferent, unhelpful. You could be a jerk. It's going to be a little harder if you have empathy, but you could still do that. If you don't manage your own bias about that person, it doesn't matter if you're empathetic and can imagine how they're feeling. You may not, you know, you, you may not behave in a different way towards them. Or you might understand their hurt, but maybe you still don't apologize. You might understand they're in need, but you don't give them that five bucks in your wallet. The definition of love is an intense feeling of deep affection, which made me wonder, what's affection? Well, affection is a gentle feeling of fondness or liking. So affection, love, light. Now, some people might say, I love them, but I don't like them. There's a lot of not liking people going on in the world right now. And even those of us who like to think that we're very spiritual and evolved, blah, blah, blah. um, Well, we might love humanity, but there are a lot of people that piss us off. Let's just face it. So my mom the other day was talking to me about this. And she says, you know, when somebody says, I love you, but I don't like you, love just becomes a word. It's just a four letter word that doesn't mean anything. And I thought, damn, that's good. So let's go back to that word compassion, that word that my client brought up that Adam Grant was talking about. When I looked it up, it says compassion can be felt for strangers, but love can only be felt for people you know. Well, I think that's bonkers. I think you can feel love for absolute strangers, and I do it all the time. I feel love for complete strangers. So Here was what I liked the best. Not any definition out of the dictionary. I loved what the Dalai Lama said on this. He said, in the Buddhist tradition, compassion and love are seen as two aspects of the same thing. Compassion is the wish for another being to be free of suffering. Love is wanting them to have happiness. So, of course, you can wish that for people that you don't know. But here's the thing for me, the distinction for me that is so important 
everything I've told you so far has love, compassion, empathy as nouns. I like to think of love as a verb. Now, in my life, I used to have a closed heart. I protected myself and I numbed out. I had so much anxiety. I was so contracted holding my breath from a very young age. I never said, I love you. And um, I don't even know if I allowed myself to feel love other than for my pets, frankly, and my stuffed animals. And I don't know when it started, but I know for sure that when I joined my coaching program at New Ventures West, my heart broke wide open and I got not just in my head anymore, but in my heart. And then with practices and just feeling this and wanting to augment this feeling, it just kept growing and growing until it has become one of my superpowers. I am a love machine. And when my clients or even strangers come onto a Zoom for the first time, whether I'm giving a talk or I'm coaching somebody, for me, it's love at first sight. And I think they can feel it. So it doesn't matter what was happening before, when they came, you know, before they came onto the call, they break into a huge smile when they come onto the video call with me. So I used to feel this even before we had video calls when I was only on the phone with people. And I think they could feel my love then. It's just now gotten stronger now that people can actually see how loving I feel towards them. So this is why I think that strangers feel safe and tell me things that they've never told anybody. So back to that graduate call I was having and Amy who brought up this whole topic in the first place. She said that she was so glad that I used the word love because she was feeling kind of awkward because she said, you know, I care so much about my direct reports. It's almost like they're my kids. I really love them. And I'm like, that's beautiful. And that is why you have one of the most productive teams in the company and one of the most engaged and loyal teams in the company, even though your jobs are really hard. So we had another woman on the call and she had been so angry at her boss. She'd been so angry because she'd been passed over for promotion, even though she was doing the job of the vice president who left. And he could feel it. He was getting really uncomfortable around her because he could just feel the resentment pouring off of her. And it didn't matter that he was senior to her. He was intimidated because nobody likes to be on the other side of resentment. Well, I helped her to forgive him and to understand what suffering he might be going through. And then she started to feel deep care for him. And she didn't want to want him to hurt because of her actions and thoughts and words. And so her energy around him changed. She got really curious. She started wondering what could be going on for him. And now everything is different. They're actually enjoying each other's company. She's happy. She's smiling all the time. Both of them feel psychologically safe around each other. And her career is starting to skyrocket. But I'm going to tell you about that in a different podcast. Right now, I want to talk to you about another woman, Samantha, who was on the call. Now, she is a very, very powerful woman. And when she came to me, she was underemployed. She felt resentful of her company because they were keeping her in a box. She had a very um, narrow scope of work 
when she was capable of doing much, much more and she was being micromanaged. Now, Samantha is a brilliant woman, but more than that, she is a force of love. Man, when she loves you, when she's happy, her smile is so big, you just want to be in her presence. So she left that company, took some time off, and started interviewing at another company, a very well-known company. And she was telling us that she and the hiring manager fell in love during the interview process. Now, she meant platonically, but this is how this is how she is. Like she just shows up as her true self. She's very honest about what her capabilities are, what her experiences, what her experiences. And because she made this good impression and this powerful emotional connection, this hiring manager trusted her so much that they asked her to take a bigger job than the one she was interviewing for. And she said yes. So she's just one week into the job, a week and a half into the job. And I said, so how's the imposter syndrome going? Because now not only is she new, but she is taking a higher level job than she's ever had. And so when you're new to a company, of course, you have much more to learn than if you're just transitioning in within a company. So it's already triggering. And now you add to it the title and the pay that she's got. And she says, I'm staying up late. I'm reading documents all the time and I'm snapping at my kids. And so I asked her, what's the prevailing thought that's causing you to do all this? And she says, I'm worried I'm going to fail. Well, of course, right? I mean, that's perfectly logical. That's the kind of thought that creates this overwhelming fear and dread that causes us to forget our superpowers and go into our mind and overthink, overanalyze, overwork, overprove. So I asked her, remind us what your superpower is. And I was really wanting her to remind herself what her superpower is. And she says, oh, you mean like listening deeply to others and seeing them and honoring them? I'm like, yeah, that. <laughs> when was the last time you had somebody listen to you with their full presence and their heart? sending love to you, seeing you, and then helping you based on what your gifts are, your desires are. When was the last time you had somebody like that? So I asked her, I said, what do you think is going to be the better way for you to learn your new job? Do you think it's going to be reading documents until midnight? Or do you think it's going to be having conversations with people where you ask them questions, get really curious about what's on their mind, what they know, what they would change. Which one do you think is going to help you be more successful and learn faster? And of course, she started laughing. She got it right away. No one learns a new job just by looking at PDF reports. That's not how you do it. You can get some information, but how much more information are you going to get and then how many relationships are you going to build? How much trust are you going to build? This is why she was hired. They saw that not only did she have the capability, but she had the presence. And because of the level of fear in the workplace right now, we need leaders with heart. Because as we talked about in the last one, everybody's mood is contagious, but especially leaders. And I reminded her that if she is full of fear, 
people will think it's about them. They will think her nervousness, her anxiousness is about being disappointed in them. So she needs to shift to love and curiosity. So people feel that and she's going to feel better and everybody else around her is going to feel better too while she learns the job faster than ever. Anyone can cultivate this deep feeling of love, but you need to want to, and it's not going to come from your head. So first you have to neutralize the fear and we can ask ourselves good questions, but we can also just start to feel the vibration known as love and gratitude is vibrating at the same frequency of love. So the more you can be grateful for things you have, the more you can be grateful for, uh, for your job, for the things, um, the, your surroundings, the more you can appreciate the people around you, the more you will start to cultivate this feeling of love. So when it comes to cultivating this, I suggest that you love yourself first. Because way too many of us are trying to love other people when we don't have enough love within ourselves to begin with. So one of the ways you can do this is you can flood yourself with love by imagining the face of somebody you have you love now or you have loved in the past. Um, it can even be a pet. And for if you've listened to the six phase meditation um, podcast, then you know that this is step one of that uh, meditation, that very, very powerful meditation. So this is all about filling your heart, filling up your body with the vibration of love, and then with exhalations, expanding that energy out. And if you practice that every day, you are going to be building neural pathways, building neural pathways for love, because in order to build a neural pathway, you can't just think I love you. You have to feel the emotion. So you can do other things as well. You can do the Mel Robbins high five in the mirror. You can look in your mirror, look, look in your mirror and say, I love you over and over and over. Both of those have been proven to produce oxytocin. And it's really hard to not like yourself when you're doing silly things like that because you're distracted. It's not your normal um, habit. You can, if you believe in a higher power, imagine God's love, which is infinitely more than we could ever imagine and we could ever love ourselves we can imagine that filling us up and we can surround ourselves with love without anybody telling us i love you we can create it from within and then i want you to start acting as if acting as if you are as worthy of love as this person you imagined or this pet you imagined. I see people taking better care of their pets than they take care of themselves, loving their animals better than they love themselves. So be the small child that you want to take care of. So you can imagine yourself as a small, younger version of you and love that person. Whatever it takes for you to cultivate this self-love. And I know this is hard if you are feeling not good enough. Because shame is at the other end of the spectrum, the emotional spectrum. It is as low as it gets. So maybe start with willingness, willingness to try. That's going to be easier than love. Or maybe uh, loving, imagining loving something else and just filling yourself up with that. 
You can also treat yourself with love, even if you don't yet feel that way. You can rest. You can nourish yourself. You can hydrate. You can move in a way that feels good to you. Not in a way that makes you feel guilty or unpleasant, but maybe you listen to music as you move. Burn incense. Buy a plant. Just start doing nice things for yourself. Start being a friend to yourself instead of an enemy. And then you can start practicing love. Loving as a verb. And you can do this by looking people in the eyes with affection in your heart. Listening to people without judgment, with curiosity. Listening to the small child that's in them that's wounded. When you're driving, you can let people cut in traffic and wave them, wave them through. You can forgive people. You know, I've said in previous podcasts that forgiveness is a selfish act. Well, I kind of think love is a selfish act because it feels so darn good to be full of love. You can hug people. You can actually help people. So I've been talking about um, acts of seeing people, acts of listening to people. I think this is one of the biggest gifts you can give to people. But you can also literally help people. Buy somebody a sandwich or give them 20 bucks so they can go buy a meal. Whatever it is, do something that is an active form of love. One of my favorite companies is Southwest Airlines. And they have the audacity to have a heart as their, uh, as their logo, part of their logo. And Herb Kelleher is known for saying that a company is stronger if it is bound by love rather than by fear. And I know I have more fun uh, flying Southwest because the people there are authentic. They feel like they're seen. They feel like they can be themselves. That's a lot more fun. And also, I don't have to pay for bags. Love is just better all around. It's better in business. It makes more productive teams. And it makes you healthier. So not only are companies healthier, but so is your heart. So is your brain. So is your health. And just imagine how much healthier the world would be if we loved. If we truly loved this planet, we would not be killing this planet. But don't, let's not get on that tirade, okay? Um, so bottom line is, if you want to live a good life, if you want to be happy, you have to be full of love. Because the only emotions that vibrate at a higher frequency than love are joy and peace. So if you can't access joy, you need to look at how much are you loving? How much do you love yourself? How much do you love others? And don't worry if the answer is no, you can start to practice this in the ways that I've described. So I hope you go and right after this, go do something out of self-love and go send some love to somebody else. Maybe write them a note or send them a text or leave them a voicemail. And I hope you enjoyed the show. And if you do, please let me know. I love your comments. I appreciate your five-star ratings on Apple because that is how more people find me and more people feel the love and more people get help. And if you think you might want my help, if you're a female professional and you're ready to end your suffering, but you don't know how, you want to feel better, you want to feel more confident, you want to feel happier and calmer and have more time while you rock your career, 
and have fun doing it, then you can book a free call with me. We will get really clear on what's causing you to be in the state you're in, and we will figure out some next steps to help you get out. On rare occasions, somebody is a good match for what I do. And if you are, we can talk about that. If not, I will be thinking about what other next steps could be the best for you based on what you've already tried. All right, so these calls are really fun. And I'm always excited to pick up the phone and talk to a stranger or even an old friend that I haven't heard from in years to have one of the most meaningful conversations of their lives. So um, please go and practice some self-love and some other love and let me know how it goes with your comments. All right. I love you. Bye. Thanks for listening to Work Life Brilliance. If you want to be coached by Denise, join her in the Work Life Brilliance Academy, where wholehearted humans are becoming the best version of themselves. Accepting applications now at wlbacademy.com.